Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast. I'm Jennifer Jelliff Russell, author, speaker, and entrepreneur, bringing you actionable ideas and interviews with awesome women to help you pursue your dreams and achieve your goals. You can find more episodes of the Go Find Out Podcast by visiting gofindoutpodcast.com. Enjoy the show and go find out. Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast, episode number 32. I'm your host, Jennifer Jelliff Russell. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Natalie Benamu about her experience of building a mastermind community for women executives and entrepreneurs. I'm also going to be trying something a little different, and instead of having a personal update, I've decided to launch right into the interview. So let me know if you like this change or not. All right, let's get to the interview. So on today's show, I'll be speaking with Natalie Benamu, who is currently Division Vice President at an organization in the trade show industry and has also been a vice president at two other trade show organizations, as well as president of the Healthcare Business Women's Association, or HBA Chicago. In this interview, we'll be focusing on Natalie's personal business, which is called Her Power 2, and a mastermind community for women executive leaders and female entrepreneurs called HP2 Mastermind. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Jennifer, I'm so excited to be on the show today. Thank you so much for asking me to be here. Absolutely. I think you'll have a lot of really great information to share with our listeners. So I'm super stoked to get started. And and actually, before we really jump into this, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. I really appreciate that question. I have been in face-to-face marketing for the majority of my career. I won't say how many years because then it will give a tip to my age, but let's just say it's (laughs) over 20 years I've been in face-to-face marketing and I've been focused on helping uh, clients attract, connect, and engage the right target audience. And I'm also a mom of two girls and that is really where my passion has led me. I'm very, very passionate about helping empower women. And I have served in leadership roles to to that effect. I was president of HBA, like you mentioned earlier. I'm also the founder of A Heart for Animals in Animal Rescue. Nice. And I have a soft spot for animals. As you heard earlier about my dog, that's only one <laughs> of my dogs, but we won't, I won't divulge all the pets uh, at this point. But anyway, <laughs> so I, um, I have a few things on the side that I do, including um, launching a new business and making a pivot in these interesting times. So very fascinating time to be in. And I appreciate being here with you. And so now, at what point did you maybe start thinking of starting a side business to really help women in leadership or help female entrepreneurs? You know, it's so interesting. Five years ago, I had a blog called Girl, I Am Powered. I am and then powered. And I was really revved up. I was going to start this business to help moms and their daughters. And then as it happened, uh, business in my business life took off and I am girl empowered sort of, I kept doing the blog and eventually it's still there, but I haven't really pursued it. But I always had something in the back of my heart saying, you know, I really want to make a difference. Serve first has always been at the core of what I do. I really fill the cup up when I find personal joy in helping others. Hmm. And so I've always had that in my mind. And recently I've had so many friends come to me in these times and they just feel really isolated and not having a cheerleader on their side and someone that they can bounce ideas off of. So that's really where it all started. Gotcha. And so when you first began thinking of starting the second company, did you get any kind of pushback from anybody that you've told or maybe even, you know, pushback from yourself, like negative self-talk? You know, it's funny. It was almost the opposite. So it's been a little bit of a journey. I will say if anyone has launched a company, you know that it doesn't always happen overnight. It's Mm -hmm. been about six months that I've been, it started out as her networks 
So this is to encourage your listeners. Don't give up because it started out as her networks and um, it was going to be kind of more around connecting because that's one of the things that I really enjoy doing. And I decided that really wasn't the fit. And I was trying to figure out what would be the right fit. And in the process, I found starting a business can be really expensive. And so part of the business was going to be around helping women exchange knowledge for services. Mm -hmm. And so then I sort of wrapped it all up into HP2 Mastermind, where it's women meeting in circles, and they do that for each other, where they help each other, they connect, they refer, and it's all about empowering each other in an unusual way. Because I think most masterminds are like, here, let's let's make a plan or build skills. But this is really, this is where women are invested in each other very personally. And that was really, I think, how it all kind of came together. So I was getting ready to launch and I started reaching out to my founding members, 10 women. I said, well, you know, I'm not going to charge you. Okay. Now this is the first lesson for your listeners <laughs> <laughs> because we always do things for free as women, right? Yes. We help each other. Um, I am a giver. I mean, my joy, my, my happy place is giving gifts. I'm a giver. Mm -hmm. And so I said to this friend of mine, her name is Hope. And I said, Hope, you know, just as a reminder, remember, um, she's, she's an author like you. She's um, had two amazing books and she's, she's been in leadership roles. And I said to her, you know, just as a reminder, I'm so grateful to you. I'm not going to charge you for this. And she said, well, what if I want to invest in your business? Mm -hmm. And I said, what? <laughs> And so it really took me aback because I hadn't even thought to ask, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we don't even think of ourselves. So I guess in terms of the negative self-talk, I thought, listen, I have these amazing executive friends. If they would give me their time so I can try this out, let's see where it goes. So not only did she say that, but she's like, and I got like 10 people I could bring into this. Then I started calling my other friends. And so I have signed up five women that are investors just by just telling them about it. I, it's almost like it sold itself. And I never could have imagined that in my life. I would never have thought, oh, if I just tell someone about this, they're going to say, I want to see this succeed. And what it did was it's like, oh my gosh, if my friends are personally <laughs> investing in me, I got to make this happen. <laughs> right. right. So all those negative thoughts where I'm like dealing with tech right now and I'm trying to like figure out all these nuances and things I don't know. It's like, nope, these people are having faith in me. In fact, one of them said, I'm doing this because I believe in you. And I literally started practically crying because I think we don't realize the power that those words have. And we should embrace that. And we should not let those negative thoughts of like, you don't know tech. And why would you, you know, this point in your career, make this giant pivot into something you have no idea, right? Mm -hmm. Like those are the thoughts. Like I have no idea how to, to do this, but I'm doing it anyway. And one, I could recommend a book if anyone's thinking, um, it's called Start Ugly by Chris Kremitzos. He's a friend. You might know Katie Kremitzos, um, his wife, um, Women's Meditation Network and Biz Women Rock before that. But um, but he has a book called Start Ugly. It's a really fast read. You can get it on Amazon. And I, I read it really because he's a friend. And, he, and I was like, oh, you, Chris, you have a book. And really, that was the thing. It was like, you know what? I just got to start. And all my friends were like, you have to do this. When are you doing it? Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> so I think that's where when we start thinking, I have to be perfection, you know, everything has to be, especially if you're successful, you might have a little type A what? in you. Yes. Um, <laughs> so there might be that like, well, no, it has to be just right. And I don't want to show anybody the website because it's not perfect right. or, you know, and you just have to get over that, you know, and just start. Mm -hmm. That is the thing. And so that is really what kind of helped me realize, man, I got to get this done. <laughs> 
for women, I got to get this right. <laughs> yeah, no, I have an episode called Start Where You Are. And it's all about that, about just starting and throwing yourself into it and not making those excuses of it needs to be perfect. You know, those really just hold you back and keep you from moving forward with your project or your business or whatever it is that you're starting. So yeah, start ugly. Well, so I have to check true. that out. That sounds really interesting. Yes. It's a good book and you can read it honestly in like a couple hours of that. I mean, it's a great story. It's a nice story that makes you at the end realize like you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll drop the link for that in the show notes. Listeners. Yeah. Thank you. What would you say, Natalie, that your biggest challenge was when you first started your business? And I know we talked about a few things, but what would you say the biggest challenge was? So I think part of it was finance, I must say, you know, um, trying to do everything DIY, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because um, with COVID, uh, my industry is down 90%. Oh, yeah. And there's been some dramatic, um, really, that was part of the opening of the windows mm -hmm. to say, all right, what, you know, you can only go up from here, let's just do this, yeah. right? But there's also the flip side is that it's very, it, it can be very expensive to start a business. Mm -hmm. So you really have to do a lot of research. And I've done a lot of research in finding the right resources to help me figure it out. And then in the end, you do also have to hire people. I mean, there's just, you can't, you can't do everything. I mean, some people do, but there's some things that you really do need help. Yeah. Especially if you just don't happen to have a talent for something, it's great to outsource to somebody who does. And many times it's definitely worth the money or, you know, down the road, you might start up and then outsource to make it better down the road. Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's going to evolve. It's not perfect, but right. it's good. But yeah, definitely, um, you know, hiring, you just sometimes have to and make those investments mm -hmm. and, and know that if you believe in your business, you'll be able to come back and take care of whatever that expense was. But, right, right. but yeah, yeah, that's, I, that was really why I was doing this whole exchange idea, right? Like women exchanging services for skills. Cause I was like, gosh, you know, there's gotta be other entrepreneurs that are doing this and like, right. can't get it done. So that's where, you know, in the entrepreneur mastermind, um, it's going to be more focused around that of women helping each other in that way so that they can scale their businesses. So is there any advice that you would tell other women who are thinking of shifting their brand or their business focus? I think one of the key things is to really think about what fills you up? What do you like doing? And, you know, that's such a broad question. But when you're trying to make a big pivot, if your heart isn't in it mm -hmm. and you're just doing the skills that you're good at, right? So I've been in business development my whole life. I could have done many different things around business development and, and making things happen. But my heart is around serving first, right? So how do I combine those two things and help women? And so I think it's really taking the time to clear your mind and just write everything down and all the possibilities. If you had no constraints, mm -hmm. what would that look like? If you didn't think about, well, I can't do that because and just start writing everything down. I mean, don't you think that people, when you start exploring really what could happen, the windows and the doors open? Absolutely. Yeah. I think those fears are the things that hold us back, those excuses of, you know, I would love to do that, but... Right. Right. But, right. But this reason or that reason or there, you know, fear of failure, fear of success. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you kind of take out that but part and just exactly. say, here's exactly. what I love to do. Yeah. No, yeah, okay. exactly. Nice. And now we talked a little bit about your challenges in starting your business. Have you noticed any challenges that continue to crop up for other women in leadership or who are trying to start a business? You know, I just had coffee with one of my founding members and social distance coffee. Um, <laughs> but yes, I did. And she um, was saying that she needed advice and she has a network, but she's like, I'm going to have to spend two weeks trying to figure out who's that right person to go to. So I think people don't always think about their network mm -hmm. as a resource. And 
you know, many of us are on LinkedIn and we have connections, but are we using the connections? How are you, how are you helping others? And you'll see that come back to you. And I think it's that kind of connection point that people don't always think about and do. And and another thing that another entrepreneur friend had told me about, which kind of dovetails back to what we were talking about earlier about, we always do things for free. She was asked for advice. Now she was a former CMO of a huge $15 billion company. So she had a very high level position Mm. and someone reached out to her for advice and they said, Hey, you know, I'd like to get some advice. And her tendency might've been to to give the advice. Mm -hmm. But what they were asking for was really time, right? They were asking Mm -hmm. something that would have required time. And she discovered inadvertently in talking to someone that men get paid for advice. Yep. Now, (laughs) this is something that we... We just don't even think about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, especially because we want to help each other. Right. We want to. And so we automatically go to like, well, yeah, of course you need something. Sure. I'll, I'll tell you how to do your business. I'll tell you. But at a certain point, we do need to value our time. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it's putting value on our time and realizing that men do it all the time. Right. And so, so, um, so yeah, it's tapping into your network, I think, and uh, valuing our worth and charging for it. Yeah. And I would definitely add to that because that's that's absolutely something that I struggled with as a resume writer in a previous life, if you will. You know, having a business as a resume writer and having people reach out to me, hey, Jenny, I need free advice on this. And I would spend hours speaking to people for free Yeah, um, because yeah. I didn't value that time. And what I learned was when I charged these people who then became my clients, they were more likely to actually follow through on the advice that I gave because it held more weight when they paid for it than when they didn't. Absolutely. People need a vested interest. So kind of to what you're saying, you know, my founding member, there's been a couple different levels, but the commitment is to be on my board. So mm-hmm. you can do, ex- that's the whole exchange thing. You know, I'm all about like, the, if this, then that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, there's always a way to make things happen. If you're starting something new and you don't think you can do something, well, offer something in exchange, right? So if they're giving you advice, maybe you give them the opportunity to serve on a board, which is something that they want mm-hmm. because that elevates their their position. I once had a speaker when I was president of HBI, I had someone come to my organization. We wanted her to speak and she had a speaking fee that was way beyond reach. And I went to her and I said, listen, um, we can pay you this, but how about if I introduce you to leadership at like three Fortune 500 mm-hmm. pharma companies? Mm-hmm. And she ended up getting like, 20 times, you know, what she would have um, just from her speaking fee by those, by actually winning business um, with those leaders. So kind of thinking outside the box, I guess, there are ways that you can do, I don't want to say barter, but there's ways that you can do things in a different, in a different way that you don't, you have to think differently in this, especially now. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And do you, do you feel that you have any specific habits that have helped you to be successful in starting or operating your business? I think it's mindset Mm. is one of the, it's that sort of cornerstone. So yes, I I always start every day working out. That's like, no matter what I I work out the first, very first thing I do every day. That's a habit that clears my mind. Um, Sarah Blakely talks about um, the founder of Spanx. I recently saw her on an amazing webinar. If if people haven't seen it, it was by Salesforce. Um, It's on LinkedIn. She was incredible. She's amazing. I love her so much. Um, but she she talked about that she has to drive in her car for like an hour or 40 minutes or something before going to work, even though her office is five minutes away, because ideas pour into her brain. Uh-huh. So the habit I have is I try to open up space, sometimes cleaning, believe it or not. No, I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I love cleaning because it's like, oh my God, this idea just popped into my head. I have to go write it down. Mm-hmm. 
So I think it's like creating the opportunity as a habit for ideas to come to you, no matter what you do. It doesn't matter what your your position is or what your career role is. Ideas are something that will help you move forward in your personal life or in your professional life. Mm-hmm. So making space to do that. And I want to dig into that. When you're doing these things and kind of getting ideas, do you have a particular method for keeping track of these ideas, writing them down, dictating them, anything like that? Because I know personally, my space is gardening, right? And so I'm oh, out, right. yeah. yes. and so I'm out yes. in the field. We have a small family farm. And uh, so I'm out in the field working and then I get an idea and I'm like, that's such a great idea. I will totally remember it. I'm not going to write it down. Right. And then I forget it. So do you have any recommendations for anybody to kind of keep track of their ideas? Um, if you're outside, fanny pack bring back the fanny pack put a piece of paper <laughs> <laughs> right I know yeah. I'm aging myself with the fanny <laughs> no, pack okay. but it's an, they're, they're kind of fashionable now they're coming back if you saw my scribbled pieces of paper because I when I work out I sometimes scribble things all over pieces of paper and then I look at it and I'm like what was I saying right there <laughs> um, so I do try to write it down because when I write things down it helps me remember and kind of a, an aside um, one thing that people probably don't know that I try to cover up a lot is that I had a massive head injury um, years and years ago and so I write things, I write everything down because mm. I find that that action of writing things down definitely helps you remember more so than speaking it, I think, or taking a picture. Sometimes I take a picture of something if I need to, to like remember mm-hmm. uh, but writing that there's something with pen to paper. And as a writer, as an author, you probably know that more than anything, if you're coming up with your next book or book idea and you, you something probably pops into your head, I would imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Like how do you, when your ideas flow, I mean, what do you do for creative when you, you're gardening? Is there there a particular type of gardening that you like, like that, that, creates the opportunity or is it just being outside and in that environment that really works? yeah just being outside in that environment and then if I had an idea you know kind of in that in that space you know dictating it into my phone or pulling out the phone and, and typing into like the notes app um, so I guess I tend to kind of lean more towards the technology heavy kind of methods yes well I do have awesome note also so like if I'm out on a run and I don't have a piece of paper in my <laughs> <Right>. fanny pack <laughs> which I probably don't, <laughs> I would, I would do the awesome note, um, which is an app. You probably know that or notes. Yeah. Either of those that works, that works too. Totally. Just writing it. Down. Okay. I haven't heard of awesome note. Yeah. Awesome note is um, a good way. It's sort of an organizational tool. Okay. I think. Nice. I'll have to check that out and I'll drop a link for that in the show notes as well. If anybody wants to download it. Sure. Sure. And now what do you feel like you would have missed out on by not starting your business? I think my girls have been really, they look to me for inspiration because I've been this career mm-hmm. woman my whole life and they've seen me. And I think I would feel I let them down because they know that this has been on my heart and they've been saying, mom, you really have to do this. And I've been like, yeah, you know, but you know, this and that, right. There's always something. And so I think I would have missed out on my girls feeling like, oh, she did do that. And whatever happens, happens, right? If if you don't try, of course, you won't fail. But if you try and fail, you can just always do it again. And so I think missing out on that chance to hopefully leave something for them and make it different for them when they take leadership positions, maybe it will be different for them. That would be something I would have missed out on, I think. Mm, yeah. 
And now you mentioned this is kind of something you've been talking about for a while, starting the business. How long have you kind of been playing with this idea? It's been about six months. I had an idea a little longer than that, um, that I wanted to do something, but pretty regular. I've been spending about six months. And um, I think you had said on one of your podcasts about working weekends and nights. <laughs> um, that has definitely been what I've been doing. Gotcha. Um, working, you know, every waking minute around, you know, work, um, not interfering with work. Cause I, you know, I've had a pretty demanding role. Mm. Um, so never interrupting that, but like all, you know, evenings, mornings, 5 AMs. And so, yeah, I think, um, just trying to do, do that. Yeah. I, I just wondered because I think a lot of people do that. Like I sat on this, starting this podcast, the idea of starting this podcast for several mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. before I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I just, I needed that push to kind of start. Would you say maybe COVID has been your push to start or is there something else that was kind of your catalyst? A few things, <laughs> definitely a few things, but I can recommend something for people that are feeling stuck and don't know how to get things done. And it's John Lee Dumas's Freedom Journal. When I started my podcast, I launched it in 100 days um, because that was his time frame. And every day he has things. There's plenty of those out there. There's uh, Michael Hyatt has similar uh, book. But I think having something I, I do every morning as a habit, as you were asking earlier about habits, I write what I'm grateful for. And then I the 10 things I've already made happen. But John Lee Dumas breaks it down into 10 day increments. And I did launch my podcast incredibly rapidly as a result of that experience with that. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what, what you choose as long as you make it a regular thing that you do, as I'm sure you know, with this podcast, you know, when I, my, my previous podcast, Rock Your Trade Show, many of the people that were on that show are actually part of my HB2 um, um, project. Oh, nice. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, opening doors like you can't imagine. Like I, I think the one thing I would say for women, if they're thinking about this is you just have to ask people a lot of times don't say no, you'd be surprised. I mean, I've had unbelievable people on my previous, you know, podcast and I never thought I could get and it was like well I just asked right. I mean you know so you have to ask that's that's my probably one of my key things I want to say to people is that you have to ask for whatever it is that you're looking to do whether it's an interview or connection or especially your connections, you know, people need to ask. So yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. if you don't ask, it's never going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> They're exactly. not going to reach out to you if they don't know that you're out there. <laughs> they don't know so. you exist. Yeah. And most people are happy to do it. It's like, I'd be honored to do it. Yeah. And if they're not, that's okay. You know, yeah. every closed door window opens, you know, I know I've said that 10 times on the show, but that's true. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> and what advice would you give to women who are looking to maybe step into a leadership role, you know, whether it's for their own business or, you know, for a, an employer, a traditional employer? I think it's really important to surround yourself with a sponsor and a mentor. So sponsors are the people that behind the scenes in corporate America, right? Like a sponsor. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's a male sponsor, not unfortunately, but it's the reality, right? Like if there's a, you know, an executive VP or even the president of a company, you have to, first of all, think about leveling up your connections and having that sponsor be there to advocate for you. So an example, um, Mike Kaufman, who's the CEO of Cardinal Health, um, it's mm, a huge yeah. multi-billion dollar company. Mm -hmm. And he once said that he was, um, he has been coached and now he's got an amazing amount of women that are in leadership roles, like incredible. Nice. 
And he's very big proponent. There's 300 VPs at Cardinal, which is an unbelievable number, yeah. let me tell you. And part of it is um, actually Rayana Sharkneck, who I talked about earlier. She was the speaker that I mentioned, um, coached him. But he mentioned that one time he was look, they were looking at a woman to be promoted. And uh, he was in a room and he wasn't supposed to be in this room, but they were talking about it. She was going to be promoted VP. And people were saying like, well, she's got a family. She's got little kids. She's not going to want to travel. You know, I don't think we should ask her. We should move on. And he said, wait a second. You don't even know if she wants to do this. Right. You don't know what her obstacles are. Sure, she's got small kids, but why is that the defining factor? Yeah. It was because he advocated for her, the opportunity was offered and she took it. Mm. Now imagine what would have happened in that same room if he wasn't there. Right. So having a sponsor is so important. It is the one thing in corporate America that you need. People get confused, sponsor and mentor. A mentor is someone that gives you ongoing advice or you go to for a specific problem. The sponsor is the one that is there in your corner when you least expect it, when you need it most. So I think women need to have those two things in corporate. And if they're entrepreneurs, they need the same kind of thing, but they need women that they can go to or men that they can go to for advice. You have to have people that you can get advice from that will help you level up whatever it is you're looking to do. That's a great point. And I hadn't really thought of the idea of a sponsor. You know, we hear about mentors all the time, but I hadn't heard that idea of having a sponsor. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the, it really does make a huge difference in ways that are invisible, right? Yeah. You don't even know. Exactly. I mean, exactly. She didn't even, even know. know he was doing that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> he didn't know he was going to be, he wasn't even supposed to be in that meeting. He was like, oh, I'm going to sit in on this VP meeting and see what you're talking about. You're talking about promoting someone. Let me hear about it. And then it was like, wait a second. And it was because he was actually coached by Rayona Sharpneck, the person that was my speaker. So there's a whole circle on this, but yes, it's in unexpected ways that that can happen. And so I'm, you know, I'm kind of wondering with the sponsor thing, how, not necessarily how would you go about getting a sponsor, but you know, she didn't even know that he was kind of stepping up for her. So I'm wondering, yeah, how would you go about identifying a sponsor? Do you find that it just kind of comes about organically by the work that you put in, you know, really kind of shines and then people want to sponsor you? So the second is what women assume, which mm. I'm not saying anything against what you're saying. Sure, like sure. It, yeah. Please don't take it that way. But men don't do it that way. And this goes to the way that we do things in general. So if you see a job posted for a vice president, and I, I'm guilty of this because I get all these job postings, like vice president of this and that and president. And I look at it and I'm like, well, I mean, I might know like 20% of that job, but like 80%, I don't know. So I'm not going to apply. Do you know what a man would do? They would apply. They would apply. Yeah. Raise the hand. This is the exact issue that women have also with sponsors because they don't ask. And sometimes there can be some tricky politics, right? Because if you if you are in an organization, because not every organization is like Cardinal, where they are very helpful to the women to like ask and get sponsored and mentored, your boss might be threatened, right? Because why are you going above me? Right. But you have to do it if you want to if you want to get promoted you do need that access to leadership and win leadership buy-in. And the only way you can do that is by pursuing them. So you do your research. I once had interviewed someone I, I worked with and as a client and then and interviewed her actually. And she talked about showing up early to work when she knew at 6.30 in the morning she would show up at work because that's when this one VP would show up. <laughs> and she would run into that VP and that VP be became her sponsor. So it takes effort. It's not something that's going to come to you. You have to put the effort in. But if you're strategic about it and mindful about, okay, what are what is that person doing? Where can I get access and make it short, concise, and know what you're asking? Hmm. The, the higher you go, 
people will say yes, but you have to have like, I, I need 10 minutes of your time. I, I just want to, you know, 15 minutes. Don't go in and start on a big, long thing. Like they don't have time for that. Right. <laughs> and sometimes you can leapfrog with the sponsor. Like you can get someone that's your mentor to recommend a sponsor. If the mentor is in a leadership position, he or she could then say, I have someone that you know, could be a sponsor for you. Okay. But it's intentional. I think, I think women need to be more intentional with that. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. I absolutely did the assuming of, you know, oh, if I just put in the good work, then someone will just notice me. Yes. Right. And you know what, <laughs> you know what, I, if women just do what there is a, you know, the good work, people don't take notice. You're right. Unfortunately, it's, you know, you need to raise your hand, volunteer for roles within the organization, do cross-functional things, try things that is outside of your scope, do experiential leadership where you volunteer in an organization to get the skill set that you need to make you feel more confident. But I can guarantee you that men don't do that. They just go for it. Women, if, you know, we do feel more confident if we do experiential leadership. So if that's something that someone listening needs, there's so many organizations, there's Elevate, there's a lot of different organizations out there that you can join that are local, volunteer and join a board, you know, join a nonprofit board and get that confidence. And those connections then can recommend you to someone within your organization, potentially, or an outsider can help you as well. Yeah. Make a transition to something else. That was a long answer. I think that's, that's <laughs> wonderful. I think that's really can really, really help a lot of women because we do. We tend to really not not really advocate for ourselves first. And then exactly. we just assume that, you know, just put in the hard work and, and someone will notice, hopefully. Right. So that's I, right. that's a really good point. Yeah. Well, tell me, Natalie, where where can we learn more about your business and Her Power 2? Well, if people want to see more about Her Power 2, um, they can go to herpowerandthenumber2.com. And um, that's the main website. I also am on Twitter. Her underscore power to, I think is the Twitter handle. Um, and her power to be bold is the Instagram feed. So if people want just an inspirational word of the day, um, I usually post something once a day. That's just something that hopefully will lift women up. And um, HP2 Mastermind is the business, but you can get to it from her power to slash mastermind. So gotcha. So thank you. And I'm on LinkedIn. If anyone, any of your members or you know people listening, rather, if anyone wants to reach out to me, please. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm a connector. I'm happy to help in any way. Oh, that's really kind. Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Natalie. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Something that really resonated with me from my interview with Natalie was when she talked about advocating for yourself at work. This wasn't really something I did prior to my last position. And even then, I didn't realize I should do that until I had a great manager who kind of forced me to do it during a performance evaluation. It was really great at getting my colleagues to advocate for themselves, but for some reason, I hadn't planned to do the same for myself. Then, the person who started out as my manager at my last position actually showed me how to do this. He started by helping me understand how to complete a performance evaluation so that it demonstrated what I'd accomplished without being sort of braggy. And it's funny, before talking to Natalie, I definitely thought I had been the type of person who just waited for management to notice me rather than going to them and sort of raising my hand, as Natalie put it. But hearing Natalie's suggestion for finding a sponsor made me realize that I actually did this at my last position without realizing it. And the person who ended up being my sponsor made a huge difference in helping me keep my job when I moved from Tennessee to Maine, which for that organization at that time was somewhat unprecedented. Looking back now, I realize that while I did earn that manager's respect by working hard and being a high-performing employee, I also asked him questions and volunteered to take on more clients. Without realizing it, I had found a sponsor who later advocated for me to stay with the organization after I moved, and I didn't even know that he was advocating for me at the time. So 
If you work in a traditional role and wish to continue moving up the career ladder at that organization, consider first who you have as a mentor at that organization, and then determine if you might already have a sponsor without realizing it. If you don't already have a sponsor, then consider who might make a great sponsor at your place of work and how you can start developing that relationship with them. Another thing that Natalie touched on that I think is really important for everyone is to find the thing that helps you open up space to think creatively. As Natalie said, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. Coming up with new ideas or new methods to tackle a problem require that you give yourself the space to think and get creative. For me, my thinking space is walking, running, gardening, or doing a puzzle. None of these things require concentrated thought, and I seem to think better when my body is doing something on autopilot. So what are your thinking spaces? Recognizing what helps you tap into your creativity can be beneficial. Rather than floundering when you next encounter an issue which requires a creative solution, you can then go right to whatever your thinking space is. All right, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Natalie. Join me next week when I interview writer, director, and film producer Vina Kent about her experience of getting into the film industry. Until then, go find out. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you found the information beneficial and that it helps you tackle your own Go Find Out goals. You can find more episodes and the show transcripts at gofindoutpodcast.com. You can also let me know what you thought of the show by tweeting me at gfopodcast or follow me on Instagram at gofindoutpodcast. That's it for today. Now go find out. <laughs>